Adad, the god of the storm, endowed him with courage. This the is, great gods made... This is Anunnaki Roundtable, Divine Secrets and Forbidden Knowledge of Gilgamesh, Eridu, and Epic of Gilgamesh. Two weeks ago on... Uh, this is Anunnaki Mythology Podcast on Boaz Mysteries YouTube channel. His beauty perfect. Surpassed endowed him with beauty. Adad, the god of the... Pick of Gilgamesh. I will proclaim to the world the deeds of Gilgamesh. This was the man to whom all things were known. This was the king who knew the countries of the world. He was wise. He saw mysteries and knew secret things. He brought us a tale of the days before the flood. He went on a long journey, was weary, worn out with labor. Returning he rested. He engraved on a stone the whole story. When the gods created Gilgamesh, they gave him a perfect body. Shamash, the glorious sun, endowed him with beauty. Adath, the god of the storm, endowed him with courage. The great gods made his beauty perfect, surpassing all others, terrifying like a great wild bull. Two thirds they make him god, and one third man. In Uruk, he built walls, a great rampart, and the temple of Bresin Iana, for the god of the firmament, Anu, and for Ishtar, the goddess of love. Look at it still today. The outer wall where the cornice runs, it shines with the brilliance of copper. And the inner wall, it has no equal. Touch the threshold. It is ancient. Approach Ianna, the dwelling of Ishtar, our lady of love and war. The like of which no latter-day king, no man alive can equal. Climb upon the wall of Uruk. Walk along it, I say. Regard the foundation terrace and examine the masonry. Is it not burnt brick and wood? The seven sages laid the foundations. Gilgamesh went abroad in the world, but he met with none who could withstand his arms till he came to Uruk. But the men of Uruk muttered in their houses, Gilgamesh! stands the toxin for his amusement. His arrogance has no bounds by day or night. No son is left with his father, for Gilgamesh takes them all, even the children. Yet the king should be a shepherd to his people. His lust leaves no virgin to her lover, neither the warrior's daughter nor the wife of the noble. Yet this is the shepherd of the city, wise, comely, and resolute. The gods heard their lament. Gods of heaven cried to the Lord of Uruk, to Anu, the god of Uruk. A goddess made him strong as a savage bull. None can withstand his arms. No son is left with his father, but Gilgamesh takes them all. And is this the king, the shepherd of his people? His lust leaves no virgin to her lover, neither the warrior's daughter nor the wife of the noble. When Anu had heard their lamentation, the gods cried to Aruru, the goddess of creation. You made him, O Aruru, 
now create his equal. Let it be as like him as his own reflection, his second self, stormy heart, for stormy heart. Let them contend together, and leave Uruk in quiet. So the goddess conceived an image in her mind, and it was of the stuff of Anu the firmament. She dipped her hands in water, and pinched off clay. She let it fall in the wilderness, and noble Enkidu was created. There was virtue in him of the god of war, of Ninurta himself. His body was rough. He had long hair like a woman's. It waved like the hair of Nisaba, the goddess of corn. His body was covered with matted hair, like Samukhan's, the god of cattle. He was innocent of mankind. He knew nothing of the cultivated land. Enkidu ate grass in the hills with the gazelle and lurked with wild beasts at the waterhole. He had joy of the water with the herds of wild game. But there was a trapper who met him one day face to face at the drinking hole. The wild game had entered his territory. On three days he met him face to face, and the trapper was frozen with fear. He went back to his house with the game that he had caught, and he was done, benumbed with terror. His face was altered like that of one who has made a long journey. With awe in his heart, he spoke to his father, Father, there is a man unlike any other who comes down from the hills. He is the strongest in the world. He is like an immortal from heaven. He ranges over the hills with wild beasts and eats grass. He ranges through your land and comes down to the wells. I am afraid and dare not go near him. He fills in the pits which I dig, and tears up my traps set for the game. He helps the beasts to escape, and now they slip through my fingers. His father opened his mouth and said to the trapper, My son, in Uruk lives Gilgamesh. No one has ever prevailed against him. He is strong as a star from heaven. Go to Uruk, find Gilgamesh. Extol the strength of this wild man. Ask him to give you a harlot, a wanton from the temple of love. Return with her, and let her woman's power overpower this man. When next he comes down to drink at the wells, she will be there, stripped naked. And when he sees her beckoning, you will embrace her. And then the wild beasts will reject him. So the trapper set out on his journey to Uruk and addressed himself to Gilgamesh, saying, A man, unlike any other, is roaming now in the pastures. He is as strong as a star from heaven, and I am afraid to approach him. He helps the wild game to escape. He fills in my pits and pulls up my traps. Gilgamesh said, Trapper, go back. Take with you a harlot, a child of pleasure. At the drinky hole she will strip, and when he sees her beckoning, he will embrace her, and the game of the wilderness will surely reject him. Now the trapper returned, taking the harlot with him. After a three days' journey, they came to the drinking hole. There they sat down. The harlot and the trapper sat facing one another.
and waited for the game to come. For the first day and for the second day, the two sat waiting. But on the third day, the herds came. They came down to drink, and Enkidu was with them. The small wild creatures of the plains were glad of the water, and Enkidu with them, who ate grass with the gazelle, and was born in the hills. And she saw him, the savage man, coming from far off in the hills. The trapper spoke to her. There he is. Now, woman, make your breasts bare. Have no shame. Do not delay, but welcome his love. Let him see you naked. Let him possess your body. When he comes near, uncover yourself and lie with him. Teach him, the savage man, your woman's art. When he murmurs love to you, the wild beasts that shared his life in the hills will reject him. She was not ashamed to take him. She made herself naked and welcomed his eagerness. As he lay on her murmuring love, she taught him the woman's art. For six days and seven nights they lay together, for Enkidu had forgotten his home in the hills. But when he was satisfied, he went back to the wild beasts. Then, when the gazelles saw him, they bolted away. When the wild creatures saw him, they fled. Enkidu would have followed, but his body was bound as though with a cord. His knees gave way when he started to run. His swiftness was gone. And now the wild creatures had all fed away. Enkidu was grown weak, for wisdom was in him and the thoughts of a man were in his heart. So he returned and sat down at the woman's feet and listened intently to what she said. You are wise, Enkidu, and now you have become like a god. Why do you want to run wild with the beasts of the hills? Come with me. I will take you to strong-walled Uruk, to the blessed temple of Ishtar and of Anu, of Nava, and of heaven, there Gilgamesh lives, who is very strong, and like a wild bull, he lords it over men. When she had spoken, Enkidu was pleased. He longed for a comrade, for one who would understand his heart. Come, woman, and take me to the holy temple, to the house of Anu and of Ishtar, and to the place where Gilgamesh lords it over the people. I will challenge him boldly. I will cry out aloud in a rook. I am the strongest here. I have come to change the old order. I am he who was born in the hills. I am he who is strongest of all. She said, Let us go. And let him see your face. I know very well where Gilgamesh is in Great Uruk. Oh, Enkidu. There, all the people are dressed in their gorgeous robes. Every day is holiday. The young men and the girls are wonderful to see. How sweet they smell. All the great ones are roused from their beds. Oh, Enkidu, you who love life, I will show you Gilgamesh, a man of many moods. You shall look at him well in his radiant manhood. His body is perfect in strength and maturity. He never rests by night or day. He is stronger than you. So leave your boasting. 
Shamash, the glorious sun, has given favor to Gilgamesh, and Anu, the heavens, and Enlu, and Ea, the wise, has given him deep understanding, I tell you. Even before you have left the wilderness, Gilgamesh will know in his dream that you are coming. Now Gilgamesh got up to tell his dream to his mother, Ninsan, one of the wise gods. Mother, last night I had a dream. I was full of joy. The young heroes were round me, and I walked through the night under the stars of the firmament, and one, a meteor of the stuff of Anu, fell down from heaven. I tried to lift it, but it proved too heavy. All the people of Uruk came round to see it. The common people jostled, and the nobles thronged to kiss its feet. And to me, its attraction was like a love of woman. They helped me. I braced my forehead, and I raised it with thongs and brought it to you. And you yourself pronounced it my brother. Then Ninsan, who was well beloved and wise, said to Gilgamesh, Star of heaven which descended like a meteor from the sky, which you tried to lift, but found too heavy. When you tried to move it, it would not budge, and so you brought it to my feet. I made it for you, a goad and stare, and you were drawn as though to a woman. This is the strong comrade, the one who brings help to his friend in his need. He is the strongest of wild creatures, the stuff of Anu, born in the grasslands, and the wild hills reared him. When you see him, you will be glad. You will love him as a woman, and he will never forsake you. This is the meaning of the dream. Gilgamesh said, Mother, I dreamt a second dream. In the streets of Stronghold Uruk, there lay an axe. The shape of it was strange, and the people frowned round. I saw it and was glad. I bent down, deeply drawn towards it. I loved it like a woman, and wore it at my side. Ninsan answered, That axe which you saw, which drew you so powerfully, like love of a woman. That is the comrade whom I give you, and he will come in his strength like one of the host of heaven. He is the brave companion who rescues his friend in necessity. Yugamesh said to his mother, A friend, a counselor has come to me from Enri, and now I should befriend and counsel him. So Yugamesh told his dream, and the harlot retold them to Enkidu. And now she said to Enkidu, When I look at you, you have become like a god. Why do you yearn to run wild again with the beasts of the hills? Get up from the ground, the bed of a shepherd. She listened to her words with care. It was good advice she gave. She divided her clothing in two, and with the one half she clothed him, and with the other herself. And holding his hand, she led him like a child to the sheepfold, into the shepherd's tent. There, all the shepherds crowded round to see him. They put down bread in front of him. But Enkidu could only suck the milk of wild animals. He fumbled and gaped at a loss what to do, or how he should eat the bread and drink the strong wine. Then the woman said, 
and you do eat bread. It is the staff of life. Drink the wine. It is the custom of the land. So he ate till he was full and drank strong wine, seven goblets. He became merry. His heart exulted and his face shone. He rubbed down the matted hair of his body and anointed himself with oil. Enkidu had become a man, but when he had put on man's clothing, he appeared like a bridegroom. He took arms to hunt the lion so that the shepherds could rest at night. He caught wolves and lions, and the herdsmen lay down in peace, for Enkidu was their watchman, that strong man who had no rival. He was merry living with the shepherds, till one day, lifting his eyes, he saw a man approaching. He said to the harlot, Woman, fetch that man here. Why has he come? I wish to know his name. She went and called the man, saying, Sir, where are you going on this weary journey? The man answered, saying to Enkidu, Gilgamesh has gone into the marriage house to shut out the people. He does strange things in Uruk, a city of great streets. The role of the drum work begins for the men and work for the women. Gilgamesh the king is about to celebrate marriage with the queen of love, and he still demands to be first with the bride, the king to be first, and the husband to follow. For that was ordained by the gods from his birth from the time the umbilical cord was cut. But now the drums roll for the choice of the bride, and the city groans. At these words, Enkidu turned white in the face. I will go to the place where Gilgamesh roars it over the people. I will challenge him boldly, and I will cry aloud in Uruk. I have come to change the old order, for I am the strongest here. Now Enkidu strode in front, and the woman followed behind. He entered Uruk, that great market, and all the folk thronged round him where he stood in the street in strong-walled Uruk. The people jostled. Speaking of him, they said, He is the spit of Gilgamesh. He is shorter. He is bigger of bone. This is the one who was reared on the milk of wild beasts. His is the greatest strength. The men rejoiced. Now Gilgamesh has met his match. This great one, this hero, whose beauty is like a god. He is a match, even for Gilgamesh. In Uruk, the bridal bed was made, fit for the goddess of love. The bride waited for the bridegroom. But in the night, Gilgamesh got up and came to the house. Then Enkidu stepped out. He stood in the street and brought away. Mighty Gilgamesh came on, and Enkidu met him at the gate. He put out his foot and prevented Gilgamesh from entering the house. So they grappled, holding each other like bulls. They broke the doorposts, and the walls shook. They snorted like bulls locked together. They shattered the doorposts, and the walls shook. Gilgamesh bent his knee with his foot planted on the ground, and with a turn, Enkidu was thrown. Then immediately, his fury died. When Enkidu was thrown, he said to Gilgamesh, There is not another like you in the world. Ninsan, 
who is as strong as a wild ox in the byre. She was the mother who bore you. And now you are raised above all men. And Enlu has given you the kingship. Your strength surpasses the strength of men. So Enkidu and Gilgamesh embrace. And their friendship was sealed. Enlil of the mountain, the father of the gods, had decreed the destiny of Gilgamesh. So Gilgamesh dreamed, and Enkidu said, The meaning of the dream is this. The father of the gods has given you kingship. Such is your destiny. Everlasting life is not your destiny. Because of this, you will not be sad at heart. You will not be grieved or oppressed. He has given you power to bind and to loose, to be the darkness and the light of mankind. He has given you unexampled supremacy over the people, victory and battle from which no fugitive returns, in forays and assaults from which there is no going back. But do not abuse this power. Deal justly with your servants in the palace. Deal justly before Shamash. The eyes of Enkidu were full of tears, and his heart was sick. He sighed bitterly, and Gilgamesh met his eye and said, My friend, why do you sigh so bitterly? But Enkidu opened his mouth and said, I am weak. My arms have lost their strength. The cry of sorrow speaks in my throat. I am oppressed by idleness. It was then that the Lord Gilgamesh turned his thoughts to the country of the living. On the land of cedars, the Lord Gilgamesh reflected. He said to his servant Enkidu, I have not established my name stamped on bricks as my destiny decrees. Therefore, I will go to the country where the cedar is held. I will set up my name in the place where the names of famous men are written. And where no man's name is written, yet I will raise a monument to the gods. Because of the evil that is in the land, we will go to the forest and destroy the evil. For in the forest lives Humbaba, whose name is Hugeness, a ferocious giant. But Enkidu sighed bitterly and said, And I went to the wild beasts ranging through the wilderness. I discovered the forest. Its length is ten thousand leaves in every direction. Enlil has appointed Humbaba to guard it and armed him in sevenfold terrors. Terrible to all flesh is Humbaba. When he roars, it is like a torrent of a storm. His breath is like fire and his jaws are death itself. He guards the cedars so well that when the wild heifer stirs in the forest, Though she is sixty leagues distant, he hears her. What man would willingly walk into that country and explore its depths? I tell you, weakness overpowers whoever goes near it. It is not an equal struggle when one fights with Umbaba. He is a great warrior, a battering ram. Gilgamesh, the watchman of the forest, never sleep. Gilgamesh replied, where is the man who can clamber to heaven? Only the gods live forever with glorious Shamash. But as for us men, our days are numbered, 
Our occupations are a breath of wind. How is this? Already you are afraid. I will go first, although I am your lord, and you may safely call out, Forward, there is nothing to fear. Then, if I fall, I leave behind me a name that endures. Men will say of me, Gilgamesh has fallen in fight with ferocious Humbaba. Long after the child has been born in my house, they will say it. And remember. Enkidu spoke again to Gilgamesh. Oh, my lord. If you will enter that country, go first to the hero Shanash. Tell the sun god, for the land is his. The country where the cedar is cut belongs to Shanash. Gilgamesh took up a kid, white without spot, and a brown one with it. He held them against his breast, and he carried them into the presence of the sun. He took in his hand his silver scepter, and he said to glorious Shanash, I am going to that country, O Shanash. I am going. My hand supplicate. So let it be well with my soul, and bring me back to the key of Uruk. Grant, I beseech, your protection, and let the omen be good. Glorious Shanash answered, Gilgamesh, you are strong, but what is the country of the living to you? Oh, Shanash, hear me. Hear me, Shanash, let my voice be heard. Here, in the city, man dies, oppressed at heart. Man perishes with despair in his heart. I have looked over the wall, and I see the bodies floating on the river, and that will be my lot also. Indeed, I know it is so, for whoever is poorest among men cannot reach the heavens, and the greatest cannot encompass the earth. Therefore, I would enter that country, because I have not established my name stamped on brick as my destiny decreed. I will go to the country where the cedar is cut. I will set up my name where the names of famous men are written, and where no man's name is written, I will raise a monument to the gods. Tears ran down his face, and he said, Alas, it is a long journey that I must take to the land of Humbaba. If this enterprise is not to be accomplished, why did you move me, Shamash, with the restless desire to perform it? How can I succeed if you will not succor me? If I die in that country, I will die without rancor. But if I return, I will make a glorious offering of gifts and of praise to Shamash. So Shamash accepted the sacrifice of his tears. Like the compassionate man, he showed him mercy. He appointed strong allies for Gilgamesh, sons of one mother, and stationed them in the mountain cave. A great wind he appointed, the north wind, the whirlwind, the storm and the icy wind, the tempest and the scorching wind, like vipers, like dragons, like a scorching fire, like a serpent that freezes the heart, a destroying flood and the lightning's fork, such were they. And Gilgamesh rejoiced. He went to the forge and said, I will give orders to the armourers. They shall cast us our weapons while we watch them. So they gave orders to the armourers. 
and the craftsmen sat down in conference. They went into the groves of the plains and cut willow and boxwood. They cast for them axes of nine score pounds, as great swords they cast, with blades of six score pounds, each one, with pummels and hilts of thirty pounds. They cast for Gilgamesh the axe, might of heroes, and the bow of Anshan. And Gilgamesh was armed and Enkidu, and the weight of the arms they carried was thirty score pounds. The people collected, and the councillors in the streets and in the marketplace of Uruk, they came through the gate of seven boats, and Gilgamesh spoke to them in the marketplace, I, Gilgamesh, go to see that creature of whom such things are spoken, a rumour of whose name fills the world. I will conquer him in his cedar wood, and show the strength of the sons of Uruk. All the world shall know of it. I am committed to this enterprise, to climb the mountain, to cut down the cedar, <gasps> and leave behind me an enduring name. The councillors of Uruk, the great market, answered him, Gilgamesh, you are young, your courage carries you too far. You cannot know what this enterprise means, which you plan. We have heard that Humbaba is not like men who die. His weapons are such that none can stand against them. The forest stretches for 10,000 leaves in every direction. Who would willingly go down to explore its depths? As for Humbaba, when he roars, it is like the torrent of the storm. Breath is like fire, and his jaws are death itself. Why do you crave to do this thing, Gilgamesh? It is no equal struggle when one fights with Humbaba, that battering ram. When he heard these words of the councillors, Gilgamesh looked at his friend and laughed. <laughs> How shall I answer them? Shall I say I am afraid of Humbaba? I will sit at home all the rest of my days. Then Gilgamesh opened his mouth again and said to Enkidu, My friend, let us go to the great palace, to Egalma, and stand before Ninsen the queen. Ninsen is wise with deep knowledge. She will give us counsel for the road we must go. They took each other by the hand as they went to Egalma, and they went to Ninsen, the great queen. But Gilgamesh approached. He entered the palace and spoke to Ninsen. Ninsen, will you listen to me? I have a long journey to go to the land of Humbaba. I must travel an unknown road and fight a strange battle. From the day I go until I return, till I reach the cedar forest and destroy the evil which Shamash abhors. Pray for me, to Shamash. Ninsen went into her room. She put on a dress for coming to her body. She put on jewels to make her breast beautiful. She placed a tiara on her head, and her skirts swept the ground. Then she went up to the altar of the sun, standing upon the roof of the palace. She burned incense and lifted her arms to Shalash as the smoke ascended. Oh, Shalash. 
Why did you feel this restless heart to feel the left, my son? Why did you feel it? You have moved him, love. And now he sets out on a long journey to the land of Humbaba, to travel an unknown road, to fight a strange battle. Therefore, from the day that he goes to the day he returns, until he reaches the cedar forest, until he kills Humbaba and destroys the evil oh, thing which you, Shamash, and Hor, do not forget him. But let the dawn, Aya, your dear bride, remind you always. And when day is done, give him to the watchman of the night to keep him from harm. Then Ninson, the mother of Gilgamesh, extinguished the incense, and she called to Enkidu with this exhortation. Strong Enkidu, you are not the child of my body, but I will receive you as my adopted son. You are my other child, like the foundlings they bring to the temple. Serve Gilgamesh as a foundling serves the temple and the priestess who reared him. In the presence of my women, my votaries, and hierophants, I declare it. And she placed the amulet for a pledge round his neck. And she said to him, I entrust my son to you. Bring him back to me safely. And now they brought to them the weapons. They put in their hands the great swords and their golden scabbards and the bow and the quiver. Gilgamesh took the axe. He swung the quiver from his shoulder and the bow of Antrim and buckled the sword to his belt. And so they were armed and ready for the journey. Now all the people came and pressed on them and said, When will you return to the city? The councillors blessed Gilgamesh and warned him, Do not trust too much in your own strength. Be watchful. Restrain your blows at first. The one who goes in front protects his companion. The good guide who knows the way guards his friend. Let Enkidu lead the way. He knows the road to the forest. He has seen Humbaba and is experienced in battles. Let him press first into the passes. Let him be watchful and look to himself. Let Enkidu protect his friend and guard his companion and bring him safe through the pitfalls of the road. We, the councillors of Uruk, entrust our king to you, O Enkidu, bringing him back safely to us. Again to Gilgamesh they said, May Shamash give you your heart's desire. May he let you see with your eyes the thing accomplished which your lips have spoken. May he open a path for you where it is blocked, and a road for your feet to tread. May he open the mountains for your crossing, and may the night time bring you the blessings of night. And Rukulmanda, your guardian god, stand beside you for victory. May you have victory in the battle, as though you fought with a child. Wash your feet in the river of Humbaba, to which you are journeying. In the evening, dig a well, and let there always be pure water in your water skin. Offer cold water to Shamash. And do not forget the Gulbanda. Then Enkidu opened his mouth and said, Forward, there is nothing to fear. Follow me, for I know the place where Humbaba lives and the paths where he walks.
Let the councillors go back. Here is no cause for fear. When the councillors heard this, they sped the hero on his way. Go, you connect. May your guardian god protect you on the road and bring you safely back to the key of all. After twenty leagues, they broke their fast. After another thirty leagues, they stopped for the night. Fifty leagues they walked in one day. In three days they had walked as much as a journey of a month and two weeks. They crossed seven mountains before they came to the gate of the forest. Then Enkidu called out to Gilgamesh, Do not go down into the forest. When I open the gate, my hand launched its strength. Gilgamesh answered him, Dear friend, do not speak like a coward. Have we got the better of so many dangers and travelled so far to turn back at last? You who are tried in wars and battles, hold close to me now, and you will feel no fear of death. Keep beside me, and your weakness will pass. But trembling will leave your hand. Would my friend rather stay behind? No, we will go down together into the heart of the forest. Let your courage be roused by the battle to come. Forget death and follow me, a man resolute in action, but one who is not foolhardy. When two go together, each will protect himself, will shield his companion, and if they fall, they leave an enduring name. Together, they went down into the forest, and they came to the green mountain. There they stood still. They were struck dumb. They stood still and gazed at the forest. They saw the height of the cedar. They saw the way into the forest and the track where Humbaba was used to walk. The way was broad and the going was good. They gazed at the mountain of cedars, the dwelling place of the gods, and the throne of Ishtar. The hugeness of the cedar rose in front of the mountain. Its shade was beautiful, full of comfort. Mountain and grave were green with brushwood. There Gilgamesh dug a well before the setting sun. He went up the mountain and poured out fine meal on the ground and said, O mountain dwelling of the gods, bring me a favorable dream. Then they took each other by the hand and lay down to sleep. And sleep that flows from the night lapped over them. Gilgamesh dreamed. And at midnight, sleep left him, and he told his dream to his friend. What was it that woke me, if you did not? My friend, I have dreamt to dream. Get up. Look at the mountain precipice. Sleep that the gods sent me is broken. Oh, my friend. What a dream I have had. Terror and confusion. I seized hold of a wild bull in the wilderness. It bellowed and beat up the dust till the whole sky was dark. My arm was seized and my tongue bitten. I fell back on my knee. And then someone refreshed me with water from his water skin. Enkidu said, Dear friend, the god to whom we are traveling is no wild bull, though his form is mysterious. That wild bull which you saw is Shamash, the protector. 
In our moment of peril, he will take our hand. One who gave water from his water skin. That is your own God, who cares for your good name. You are Lukurubanda. United with him, together we will accomplish a work, the fame of which will never die. Uemesh said, I dreamed again. We stood in a deep gorge of the mountain, and beside it we too were like the smallest of swamp flies. And suddenly the mountain fell. It struck me and caught my feet from under me. Then came an intolerable light blazing up, and in it was one whose grace and whose beauty were greater than the beauty of this world. He pulled me out from under the mountain. He gave me water to drink, and my heart was comforted, and he set my feet on the ground. <coughs> then Enkidu, the child of the plains, said, Let us go down from the mountain and talk this thing over together. He said to Gilgamesh, the young god, Your dream is good. Your dream is excellent. The mountain which you saw is Humbaba. Now surely we will seize and kill him and throw his body down as the mountain fell on the plain. The next day, after twenty leagues, they broke their fast. And after another thirty, they stopped for the night. They dug a well before the sun had set, and Gilgamesh ascended the mountain. He poured out fine meal on the ground and said, O mountain dwelling of the gods, send a dream for Enkidu. Make him a favorable dream. The mountain fashioned a dream for Enkidu. It came an ominous dream. A cold shower passed over him. It caused him to cower like the mountain barley under a storm of rain. But Gilgamesh sat with his chin on his knees till the sleep which flows over all mankind lapped over him. Then at midnight, sleep left him. He got up and said to his friend, Did you call me? Why did I wake? Did you touch me? Why am I terrified? Did not some god pass by? For my limbs are known with fear. My friend, I saw a third dream. That stream was altogether frightful. The heavens roared and the earth roared again. Daylight failed. A darkness fell. Lightning flashed. Fire blazed out. The clouds lowered. They rained down death. Then the brightness departed, the fire went out. Nor's turned to ashes fallen about us. Let us go down from the mountain and talk this over, and consider what we should do. When they had come down from the mountain, Gilgamesh seized the axe in his hand. He felled the cedar. When Humbaba heard the noise far off, he was enraged. He cried out, Oh, it's this that has violated my woods. I cut down my cedar. A glorious Shanash called to them out of heaven. Go forward, do not be afraid. But now Gilgamesh was overcome by weakness, for sleep had seized him suddenly. A profound sleep held him. He lay on the ground 
stretched out speechless as though in a dream. When Enkidu touched him, he did not rise. When he spoke to him, he did not reply. Oh, Gilgamesh, roar to the plain of Kulab. The world grows dark. The shadows have spread over it. Now is the glimmer of dusk. Shamash has departed. His bright head is quenched in the bosom of his mother, Ningal. Oh, Gilgamesh, how long will you lie like this, asleep? Never let the mother who gave you birth be forced in mourning into the city square. At length, Gilgamesh heard him. He put on his breastplate. The voice of hero of thirty shekels weight. He put it on as though it had been a light garment that he carried, and it covered him altogether. He straddled the earth like a bull that snuffed the brand, and his teeth were clenched. By the life of my mother, Ninsan, who gave me birth, and by the life of my father, divine Rugulmanda, let me live to be the wonder of my mother, as when she nursed me on her lap. A second. The summer of accountability. Time. <laughs> by the life of Ninsun, my mother, who gave me birth, and by the life of my father, divine Rugulbanda, until we have fought this man, if man he is, this god, if god he is, the way that I took to the country of the living will not turn back to the city. Then Enkidu, the faithful companion, pleaded, answering him, Oh, my lord, you do not know this monster, and that is the reason you are not afraid. I who know him, I am terrified. His teeth are dragon's fang. His countenance is like a lorian. His charge is the rushing of the flood. With his look, he crushes alike the trees of the forest and reeds and the swamp. Oh, my lord, you may go on if you choose into this land, but I will go back to the city. I will tell the lady, your mother, all your glorious deeds, till she shouts for joy. And then I will tell the death that follows, till she weeps for bitterness. But Gilgamesh said, Immolation and sacrifice are not yet for me. The both of the dead shall not go down, nor the free ply cloth be cut for my shrouding. Not yet will my people be desolate, nor the pyre be lit in my house, and my dwelling burnt on the fire. Today give me your aid, and you shall have mine. What then can go amiss with us too? All living creatures born of the flesh shall sit at last in the boat of the west, and when it sinks, when the boat of Medgillum sinks, they are gone, and we shall go forward and fix our eyes on this monster. If your heart is fearful, throw away fear. If there is terror in it, throw away terror. Take your axe in your hand and attack. He who leaves the fight unfinished is not at peace. Umbaba came out from his strong house of cedar. And then Enkidu called out, Oh, Gilgamesh, remember now your boasts in Uruk. Forward, attack, son of Uruk. There is nothing to fear. When he heard these words, his courage rallied. He answered, Make haste, close in, 
If the watchman is there, do not let him escape to the woods where he will vanish. He has put on the first of his seven splendors, and not yet the other six. Let us trap him before he is armed. Like a raging wild bull, he snuffed the ground. The watchman of the woods, turned full of threatening, he cried out, Umbada came from his strong house of cedar. He nodded his head and shook it, menacing Gilgamesh. And on him he fastened his eye, the eye of death. And then Gilgamesh called to Shamash, and his tears were flowing. Oh, glorious Shamash, I have followed the road you commanded. But now, if you send no succor, how shall I escape? Glorious Shamash heard his prayer. And he summoned the great wind, the north wind, the whirlwind, the storm, and the icy wind, the tempest, and the scorching wind. They came like dragons, like a scorching fire, like a serpent that freezes the heart, a destroying flood, and a lightning stalk. The eight winds rose up against Humbaba. They beat against his eyes. He was gripped, unable to go forward or back. Gilgamesh shouted, By the life of Ninsun, my mother, and divine Rugobanda, my father, in the country of the living, in this land I have discovered your dwelling. My weak arms and my small weapons I have brought to this land against you, and now I will enter your house. So he felled the first cedar, and they cut the branches and laid them at the foot of the mountain. And the first stroke Pumbaba blazed out, but still they advanced. They felled seven cedars and cut and burned the branches and laid them at the foot of the mountain, and seven times Humbaba loosed his glory on them. As the seventh blaze died out, they reached his lair. He sapped his thigh in scorn. He approached like a noble wild bull roped on the mountain, a warrior whose elbows are bound together. The tears started to his eyes, and he was pale. Gilgamesh, let me speak. I have never known a mother, no, nor a father who reared me. I was born as a mountain. He reared me, and Enril made me the keeper of this forest. Let me go free, Gilgamesh, and I will be your servant. You shall be my lord. All the trees of the forest that had tended on the mountain shall be yours. I will cut them down and build you a palace. He took him by the hand and led him to his house, so that the heart of Gilgamesh was moved with compassion. He swore by the heavenly life, by the earthly life, by the underworld itself. Oh, Enkidu should not the snared bird return to its nest. And the captive man returned to his mother's arm. Enkidu answered, The strongest of men will fall to fate if he has no judgment. Nanta, the evil fate that knows no distinction between men, will devour him. If the snared bird returns to its nest, if the captive man returns to his mother's arms, then you, my friend, will never return to the city where the mother is waiting who gave you birth. He will bar the mountain road against you and make the pathways impassable. Umbaba said, and you do what you have. Welcome, Miss Vidu. 
You are hireling, dependent for your bread, in envy and for fear of a... My lord, you have spoken evil words. Enkidu said, Do not listen, Gilgamesh. This Humbaba must die. Kill Humbaba first, and his servants after. But Gilgamesh said, If we touch him, the blaze and the glory of light will be put out in confusion. The glory and clamor will vanish. Its rays will be quenched. Enkidu said to Gilgamesh, Not so, my friend. First entrap the bird, and where shall the chicks run then? Afterwards we can search out the glory and the glamour when the chicks run distracted through the grass. Gilgamesh listened to the word of his companion. He took the axe in his hand, he drew the sword from his boat, and he struck Humbada with a thrust of the sword to the neck, and Enkidu, his comrade, struck the second blow. As a third blow, Umbaba fell. Then there followed confusion, for this was the guardian of the forest whom they had felled to the ground. For as far as two leaves, the cedars shivered when Enkidu felled the watcher of the forest, he at whose voice Hermon and Lebanon used to tremble. Now the mountains were moved, and all the hills, for the guardian of the forest, was killed. They attacked the cedars, the seven splendors of Humbaba were extinguished. So they pressed on into the forest, bearing the sword of eight talents. They uncovered the sacred dwellings of the Anunnaki, and while Gilgamesh fell the first of the trees of the forest, Enkidu cleared their roots as far as the banks of Euphrates. They took Humbaba before the god, before Enlil. They kissed the ground, and dropped the shroud, and set the head before him. When he saw the head of Humbaba, Enlil raged at them. Why did you do this same? From henceforth, may the fire be on your faces. May it eat the bread that you eat. May it drink where you drink. Then Enlil took again the blaze and the seven splendors that had been Humbaba's. He gave the first to the river, and he gave to the lion, to the stone of execration, to the mountain, and to the dreaded daughter of the queen of hell. Oh, Gilgamesh, king and conqueror of the dreadful brave, wild bull who plunders the mountain, who crosses the sea, glory to him. And from the brave, the greater glory is Enki's. Yugamesh washed out his long locks and cleaned his weapons. He flung back his hair from his shoulders. He threw off his stained clothes and changed them to new. He put on his royal robes and made them fast. When Yugamesh had put on the crown, glorious Ishtar lifted her eyes, seeing the beauty of Gilgamesh. She said, Come to me, Gilgamesh. And be my bridegroom, from this seed of your body. Let me be your bride, and you shall be my husband. I will harness for you a chariot of lapis lazuli and of gold, with wheels of gold and horns of copper. You shall have mighty demons of the storm 
but draft me all. When you enter our house, in the fragrance of cedar wood, fresh held and thrown, kiss your feet. Kings, rulers, and princes are not damned before you. They shall bring you tribute from the mountains and the plains. Your ewes are top twins, and your goats triplets, your pack ass shall outrun you. <laughs> your oxen shall have no rivals. Your chariot horses shall be famous for their swiftness. Gilgamesh opened his mouth and answered glorious Ishtar, If I take you in marriage, what gifts can I give in return? What ointments and clothing for your body? I would gladly give you bread and all sorts of food fit for a god. I would give you wine to drink fit for a queen. I would pour out barley to stuff your granary. But as for making you my wife, that I will not. How would it go with me? Your lovers have found you like a brazier which smoulders in the cold, a back door which keeps out neither squall of wind nor storm, a castle which crushes the garrison, pitch that blackens the bearer, a water skin that chafes the carrier, a stone which falls from the parapet, a battering ram turned back from the enemy, a sandal that trips the wearer. Which of your lovers did you ever love forever? What shepherd of yours has pleased you for all time? Listen to me while I tell you the tale of your lovers. There was Tammuz, the lover of your youth. For him you decreed wailing year after year. You loved the many-colored roller, but still you struck and broke his wing. Now in the grove he sits and cries, Cappy, Cappy, my wing, my wing. You have loved the lion, tremendous in strength. Seven pits you dug for him, and seven. You have loved the stallion, magnificent in battle, and for him you decreed whip and spur, and the thong to gallop seven leaves by force, and to muddy the water before he drinks. And for his mother, to Lily, lamentation. You have loved the shepherd of the flock. He made meal cake for you day after day. He killed kids for your sake. You struck and turned him into a wolf. Now his own herd boys chase him away. His own hands bully his flanks. And did you not love his Hulandu, the gardener of your father's palm grove? He brought you baskets <laughs> filled with dates without end. Every day he loaded your table. Then you turned your eyes on him and said, Dearest Isulamu, come here to me. Let us enjoy your manhood. Come forward and take me. I am yours. Isulamu answered, What are you asking from me? My mother has baked and I have eaten. Why should I come to such as you for food that is tainted and rotten? When will the screen of rushes sufficient protection from frost? When you had heard his answer, you struck him. He was changed to a blind mole deep in the earth, one whose desire is always beyond his reach. And if you and I should be lovers, 
should not I be served in the same fashion as all these others whom you loved once? When Ishtar heard this, she fell into a bitter rage. She went up to a high heaven, her tears poured down in front of